next episode four of The Both Guy with my good buddy, Brady Riggs. Uh, we talk about the Masters, all that we take away from this unique Masters in November, and uh, talk a little bit about what's next for Brady. Uh, please listen. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Golf Guy. And I have our original and, of course, most favorite guest, uh, Brady Riggs, um, top 100 teacher um, and um, now director of golf at, uh, and I'm going to mispronounce <laughs> Do you want me to say? Wow. Okay, <laughs> I'll do it for you. I there hey, you go. good, good. Okay, well, uh, which we're going to talk about uh, as well. But let's. But the main thing we want to talk about, of course, a little post-Masters pod here and talk about what we saw, what we learned. Um, you know, it's um, in a year, uh, you know, the, the, the phrase that CBS likes to use, a tradition unlike any other, it's a year like any other, unlike any other. Hopefully we won't experience this year again in our lifetimes. Um and um, so we had a November Masters, um, which uh, is, has, has certainly never happened before. No spectators, no patrons, to use the appropriate term. Um, and um, uh, similar to, of course, what we had for you know all the, our, uh, the U.S. Open and the PGA. Um, so it was real different. And, and Brady, you've you've been there um, and and been to the Masters. I had the fortune to go once myself. Um, Tell me your impressions kind of of the course and how it played in November versus, um, you know, what we typically see. It seemed from my standpoint, it seemed awful soft. Um, and um, that certainly affected things, I think, made it a little easier for the players. But what, what was your kind of takeaway from that? Well, it's funny because Casey, my brother, who you know quite well, been abandoned with he had a very good line about the whole thing and i think this is true of the course it's true of the lack of crowd the coverage he said that this year's masters was like going to your favorite restaurant and having a head cold and not being able to taste the food that's very good i like that i thought so too so i mean that sort of summed up my experience with it um the course was Obviously, they couldn't get the sub air to do what they wanted it to do. And with that much rain on Thursday, the shorter days and a complete lack of wind pretty much until the last round, it was going to get soft and there was not much they were going to be able to do about it. And, you know, the fieriness of Augusta when it's firm and fast and and how fun that is to watch balls, you know, just keep rolling. You know, I mean, how many times do you see a ball land on the front of 15? and not roll down into the water, you know? Right. I mean, there was a lot of those things where, where guys got bailed out by the softer conditions. So I think, you know, not only were there a lot more birdies made than normal, but there were a lot fewer bogeys, I think, made than normal. You know, if you miss the green certain certain spots where it was very hard to get up and down in the past, it wasn't as hard. So from that standpoint, I was a little... I mean, it's hard to be disappointed about a Masters, but I guess I'll put it this way. I've gone back and watched, as we both have, numerous Masters from previous years, from different decades, yeah. 70s, 80s, yeah. 90s. I won't be going back to watch the 2020 Masters again in no. in 10 years' time. That's how I feel yeah, about that's, it. Yeah, that, that's a really good way of, of, a good way of saying it. Yeah, 
I don't know enough about the um, how the subair system works. I, I really thought that they were going to be able to suck that moisture out of the greens. And I was just amazed how they were so soft. I mean, I mean, people hitting woods uh, or metal clubs, but, you know, woods into 15. Um, and, and that's such a shallow green. And just, you know, um, uh, Cameron Smith hit one when he made eagle there, I think, in the second round. It just it was a full bore wood from a long way, and it just hit like a wedge. Um, and he hit a really big. Tough. That was a sweeping draw, too. <laughs> sweeping right? Hook, right? I mean, right, he was behind right, was. the trees, and <laughs> right. he hit a towering draw with a fairway right. metal, as we have to say Set now. Up. Right. And a ball that had every right to go bouncing and bounding over the green and be lucky to escape the water on sixteen stopped dead in its tracks. And of course, that's Amazing. nobody's fault. And, you know, it was just sort of the circumstance of, of the conditions. But from that standpoint, that was a little disappointing because, you know, I think guys got away with a lot of shots like that that they wouldn't maybe have otherwise gotten away with. And that was that was unfortunate because the course, what we all love about it is how well we know it. And it wasn't what we know to be Augusta National. So from that standpoint, it was a little disappointing what did you larry tell me about 16 and this the 1975 whole location what how do we feel about that on a sunday i mean is that that doesn't seem like it should be there to me it doesn't i i i i have not read and and the masters being as tight-lipped as they are maybe we'll never know what the reasoning was behind doing that um i can't you know i've watched every masters since 71 um, so, uh, you know, back when, you know, Charlie Cootie, uh, won, uh, yes. but, um, uh, so I and I surely remember 75 and one of the great, great masters of all time. And I'm, I, and I, and I may well be wrong on this, but I'm having, I'm hard pressed to remember since then having the pin there on a Sunday and, and, you know, in that traditional location, you know, for over decades in the, in the left where it all feeds down to it. And, and we did see that in the practice round when John Ron skipped yeah. that ball over. That's where the pin was basically. I, anyways, I don't know why they did that. And I really would be curious. I'm sure we'll never find out, but I would be curious as to why, but no, I didn't like it. I mean, I, I don't, um, I really like the, 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 I mean, look, it's fun, right? When you sit there for that Sunday pin and you see that ball feeding down, whether it was Jack in 86 or Tiger last year, and, you know, it looks like it's going to, you know, could it go, is it going to go in the hole? And, you know, and, and JT actually did ace it last year in the fourth round. I mean, it's, um, that's exciting. I, I don't really, I don't like that pin placement in the upper right for, I mean, I, I've seen it. It's certainly been there in other masters on previous rounds, but I don't like it for a Sunday. I don't either. I think, you know, there's four whole locations on that green that I expect to see. That is one of the four. I just don't expect to see it on the fourth round. You know, like there should be one front right over the bunker. That's great. Love that whole location. That one in the back right is great. I remember couples hitting the shot from up there. I think the year he won in 92, where he actually hit it with one hand off the club as he followed through to, to yeah. increase softness. One of the dirtiest short game shots we've ever seen. So I like that spot. And then the, the normal one sort of middle or front middle on the left, that one is gettable right. too. But 18, the, the fourth round should be back left. That's where it belongs to be because 
I mean, one of the coolest things about Augusta, and I think one of the things we didn't see this year was that when the ball starts rolling, that's when it starts to get interesting, right? Right. right. Like on 15, is it going to roll all the way down into the water? Or is it going to stay up, you know, on right. nine, are they going to suck it off the front and it, is it going to stay? And then you just don't know, you know, 10, the same, but that hole, that may be where the crowd not being there affected their decision on the whole location. Because one of the exciting things about that Great golf course point. on it yeah. is the fact that it hits and it starts to trickle and you can hear the crowd building up. Is it going to go in? Is it going to get stuck up on the hill? But we didn't have that. And the other part for me on 16 is the fact that that whole location does bring in the water Yeah, where, where they had it. The water was completely out of play. And that's totally. unfortunate because it's one of the stressful shots you want to see guys have to deal with on Sunday at the masters coming down with a lead is have to deal with a left hole location, throw it up on the slope. If they get it hung up there, it's a tough two putt. You know, if they get too aggressive and they overcook it, like Rory did in the first round, you're going to hit the water. It just was not a factor. And that, I think it was, it was unfortunate because it, it took some of the excitement of the round away. The worst you're going to make there was four, the absolute right. worst. You're going right. to hit it down the hill and you're going to have to two putt. And if you three putted, that's the worst you're going to see. So I don't know. It was a lot that kind of, it was funny because I was listening to telecast and they said that seven was the only gathering hole of the day. I don't know if you right. heard that. And, and I was like, well, I didn't that's... actually, but that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, they, they said that before I knew where 16 was. And so I said, well, yeah, but 16, I mean, that's a gathering hole. And then when I, a few holes later, I'm like, oh, I guess they were right. Seven is the only hole that gathers during the day. So there was some of that that I thought was a little disappointing. Maybe we have to wait for the crowd to be there, but do you think the crowd's really going to be there in the second week of April? You know, I was just so funny you say that because that's exactly what I was thinking, wondering, you know, as I was watching it yesterday and, and obviously, you know, you and I are both here in Southern California where, you know, it's, it, we seem to be hitting, I, I guess we're at the third wave now, I'm losing track, but, you know, another spike in, in Governor Newsom's talking about, um, you know, tightening things back up. And, and, and so I'm listening to that and watching the end of the Masters and thinking, yeah, I don't. I'm not so sure there's going to be crowds in April. I um, I, I you know, and this this is obviously there's a lot more to this than golf. But I mean, I don't. You know, you and I've talked about this generally about about the pandemic. I don't. Notwithstanding all the positive stuff that we're hearing now, Moderna today, 95 percent effectiveness, the Pfizer vaccine, 90. I don't think this is like turning a light switch on. And I, I mean, April is. You know, they're all saying on the telecast yesterday, right? Well, we're only. 148 days, whatever it is, you right. know, and I'm thinking, yeah, 148 days. I don't know that we're going to be seeing, you know, a full set of patrons in 140 some odd days. I don't either. And I think what's interesting is it is possible that because the Masters moved to November, it will be the only major where two majors in a row, two years in a row, they don't have crowds because right. it's, it's possible that in June for the, for the U S open that we will have crowds. Yeah. It's possible in May for the PGA that we may certainly likely in July that if we have a shot at it, that would be the one in at the British open, right? I'm sorry, the open championship. I misspoke, but it, it would seem to me that maybe Augusta is the one major where two straight times. We're not going to have a, a, a fan there. I would say patron, but I feel like I'm trying to pander. 
So let's just say fans, just to get that out of the way. If I'm ever on the telecast, I'll refer to it appropriately. And I certainly won't say mud ball because apparently that's not allowed either now. Did you see how they changed that? Dottie started saying it differently. I'm sure that somebody said something to her, right? I mean, this is what drives me crazy, right? Like, okay, bikini wax was probably not the wisest choice. McCord being McCord, he was going to eventually get himself kicked out of there, right? Eventually. That was probably going to happen. It just happened to be bikini wax that got it. But organic material... Really? I, I tell you, by my ear, when I heard that, I mean, I just, I kind of stopped for a second. And, and then it took me about five seconds at least to sort of connect the dots and figure, oh, this must be because they don't want, you know, the announcers using the word mutt. Um, but so it was, it, it was just funny. I mean, it, and, you know, of course, yeah, the bikini, I mean, that was, I saw something on Twitter yesterday that, you know, it said something like mud is the new bikini wax or something like that with the reference to McCord. But, you know, they've, they've always been, you know, I mean, it goes back to, um, you know, somebody, I mean, Gary McCord, who, you know, I know you, you know, and is, you know, you see him out in Arizona is, you know, great guy and everything, um, you know, irreverence is who he is, right? I mean, so as you yes. say, that was only going to be out of time. Somebody like um, Jack Whitaker, okay, you know, who is, you know, passed away only a few years ago. One of the, you know, you think of the Jim McKay's. I mean, he's in the sort of pantheon of sort of sure. illustrious sports journalists, you know, announcer types. You know, he is probably know, you know, in the mid 60s, you know, it, I, it may have, it was, I don't remember if it was during the playoff or something in the 18th hole. He referred, everyone was sort of, running i guess they didn't have the no running rule there there was this real <laughs> frenzy and he sort of said you know there's just a mob out there today uh -oh. and clifford roberts banned him for using the word mob so yeah they they have been some particular there's some particularness uh on the announcer thing but uh, you know that's that's part of the masters anyways it um, shouldn't be though i mean that's the uptight bs right that drives young people away from the game it's so stupid. What you say, mud ball, and and that's now, you're 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 banned forever. I mean, it's I don't. I, I mean, I like the fact that they're more progressive. I appreciate the fact that they have the guest. The Lee Elder stuff was wonderful. I thought that's you and great. I haven't I talked appreciate about that. that. I thought that I mean, was it's great. The scholarships in his name. I I, yeah. I think all, all that stuff is wonderful. They've done a great great job, but then they do this kind of stuff, which just makes you go, yeah, I guess deep down you know culturally this is this is what matters right you can't say mud ball on tv come on man you got to be kidding me it's no that was that was that silliness. was that was a little a little surprise well speaking of wet mud balls and wet conditions maybe that's a good segue into what happened to our friend bryson um and um you know there was um and he talked about this a little bit um, yesterday after the round. And I think, you know, it's fair to say he had as much hype regarding a single player going into a major, almost akin, and, and I think Tiger said this to him, almost akin to what it was for Tiger during, you know, all the years Tiger was, you know, the, the number one guy. And, um, uh, you know, and, and, and how is he, you know, in Sports Illustrated had that article, is he breaking golf, you know, and it's just, it's been so much publicity about him. And of course, you know, obviously with what happened at Wingfoot and stuff, but, um, 
didn't happen here. Um, and, um, you know, he, you know, the, I, I referenced the mud and, and the wet conditions because one of his two lost balls, I guess he lost one on 13. I know you were yep. watching. I wasn't watching the first day. That that front nine, which was, I think, the started on 10, his first nine, was kind of sounded bizarre. But then what I was watching when he was playing three um, in a subsequent round, and he just, you know, takes out the driver and, and you know, hits a hook into – you know, there's no patrons there. If there were, for sure, he would have found it. But there's no patrons there. And it's just, you know, this rough, which we should talk about, too. They let the rough grab. I've never seen the rough like that. Or second cut, excuse me, at, at Augusta. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, and but, the, but they couldn't find the ball. So he had two lost balls. I mean, it's just incredible. What did you kind of take away from what happened with him this week? Well, I think, you know, number one, um, we talked a little bit before, and I didn't think he would win. And the reason I didn't think he'd win was he's heavily reliant on the green book and they don't have greens books for Augusta. I don't even, I don't think they've ever probably made one, at least that's out into circulation. So I thought from that standpoint, he, he was going to struggle on the greens and he hasn't putted well at Augusta. So I didn't think he'd have a great week from that standpoint. Um, he got screwed on third hole. I mean, if it was somebody you cared about, you know, like let's say yourself right and you hit you're playing in an event or your kid or something and they pull it on that hole and it hits clearly into soft uh organic material ground right with a little bit of uh, moisture or water as we might say it that's just not you know i think rules of golf right uh play it as it lies and when you can't do it's fair that's not fair. You know, if you hit a ball that lands over there and it's obviously in shade and it's obviously muddy and there's people around that couldn't see it land and, and you see where the camera is, that ball, it, it, it's embedded. The rough's not long enough for it to be sitting in the rough and you can't find it. I don't know. There should have been a little more foresight either by putting more people on the third hole into a place they knew was muddy in a space that knew people were going to hit driver trying to get for that green, right? That's something they could have done from a, a tournament organization standpoint, or that should have been a, a rule in place during that week because of the moisture that if they bring over a rules official and the ground is obviously, you know, that muddy and wet and a ball clearly landed in there that was not in a penalty area, you should be able to, you know, nearest point of relief kind of thing and drop a ball. I mean, you shouldn't be losing a golf tournament or getting knocked out of a tournament based on that. That just seems wrong to me. I think if it was a normal PGA Tour event with the, the amount of organic matter balls that were being played and the whining and complaining that was going on from it, they probably would have been playing lift clean in place. And it was interesting, um, the impact it had, of, obviously that was a dramatic one with him losing the ball, but even you know elsewhere, right? I mean, it was startling to me to see Dustin lay up on 13, but apparently, you know, they looked at the ball and they saw some organic matter on the underside uh, <laughs> of it. And, and they, you know, they weren't sure I was going to react. So um, it was interesting. I mean, that, that you kind of had to take account of that in certain shots. Yeah, I think you're right. And it was funny that you say that because of course, everyone's favorite Bubba Watson was whining and complaining about mud balls, right? Everybody in the field was getting mud balls. 
right? Every single player that landed a ball on grass was going to have some mud on the ball. Sometimes it'd be worse than others. And guess what? We heard from what Bryson and Bubba whining the most out of the fact that their ball had mud on it, right? Everybody else seemed to handle that without any issue and play golf and deal with it. Like you said, (laughs) DJ made a, a calculated strategic adjustment for that by laying up on the 13th hole. You know, that's part of the game. Like, Yes, do I, I I don't think it's super fair that, that they played in those conditions, but everybody's playing in the same conditions. So right. get over it and deal with it and try to compete. You know, I mean that's that's what this is. It's competition and I don't know, I just can't stand the whining that goes on. I mean, last time I checked, you are playing Augusta National, you know? It's not a dog <laughs> track. I mean, come on out to Woodley or Hanson anytime, you know, if you're in SoCal and we'll see how how good the lies are. You know, so I just, I really just have no patience for people whining about yeah. the conditions. It was raining. What do you expect? The ground's right. going to have some mud. You're playing the Masters in November, for goodness sake. You know, it might not be the greatest of lies. I thought a lot of the ground looked a little, a little beat up, you know? Yeah, it, like did. The, the, it did. The 13th tee looked beat up, right? That did not look like a normal 13th tee. I forget what green it was, but around the, the, the green looked it looked a little rough. Like I think 12, 12 looked a little tough, which always is a tough green, right? Cause they just don't get enough sunlight on that hole, but well, it's, it's the same right. for everybody. They got, they got to yeah, deal with it. Is. I, I just on that, I noticed the same, just one point on that. I agree with that hundred percent. Just, you know, I think it's, and we all saw these pictures too, you know, the reseeding of it. And so you saw it like when it first opened up, it was completely Brown other than the greens. And then it was like magic in a week. You know, when they receded it, it all became green. But, you know, that wasn't that long ago. And it does right. take grass time to fill in. So those things aren't surprising. Well, talking about someone who is absolutely not a whiner um, and someone who I think ironically was actually playing with Bryson um, in the fourth round. That was just what a staggering achievement. And someone I know you always have thought highly of, Bernhard Longer. To be sitting there on a wet 70, now what, 600 plus yard, I think it is now the, from the way that where they play it course, that's a long course. Um, and he's sitting there and, you know, probably hits it in the 260s, although on, on, on Sunday, and again, it may have been the conditions, the wind, wherever they were measuring, you know, I heard them say he averaged 250 off the tee, um, but whether it's 250, 260, seven, a 7,600-yard course, and that 7,600-yard course, to shoot three under, I mean, how great is that? I thought that was just a phenomenal performance. Yeah, there's no question that Augusta offers that opportunity that no other golf course or tournament would. Number one, they wouldn't be in the field, right? Right. For sure. Right. But but the second thing is because of the local knowledge of, of, of that place, you have a massive advantage having played there before that, especially if you're that old, you won it at least one right, once. Right. You didn't qualify in time recently. So they have a lot of good vibes going there and they played a million rounds there and it makes a big difference. I, I will try my best to separate myself from the fact that he's an amazing player and has uh, seems to not age. You know, he really is phenomenal from the fact that he is using a club on the green that 
in uh, what are we going with here? We're going with him saying he's not anchoring it. Is that what we're going with? Is that what McCarran's doing too? Look, either legalize it like Peter Tosh said long ago, right? This is my reggae uh, reference for you. Peter Tosh said long ago, legalize it and he'll advertise it, right? Or don't have a putter that you can anchor. I heard somebody say the putter sh should be the shortest club in your bag. Okay, that's an interesting idea. You know, is Bryson's okay? Are we okay with him anchoring it to his to his arm? You know, I well, mean, Coo longer Coocher did it back in the day. Kucher does the same thing, right? A yeah. lot of guys go left arm lock. I mean, I'm a little more okay with that than anchoring it to your body. But yeah, I, I just I have this problem with it that you know there a bunch of guys like Adam Scott had to get off of it, right? They had to get off the longer putter because they they weren't allowed to use it according to what they thought. And then you have some other guys go, well, I'm not anchoring. It's just it's just my fingertips that are barely touching my shirt. See, that's not anchored to me. I don't know. I just feel like it's it's not it's not good for the game to have this. Tell me another thing that people are doing that is that is on the edge of breaking the rules where they say they're not. And that's good enough for all of us. I just think it's wrong. So I think he's an incredible player. I really do. I thought Larry Mize's round was phenomenal. You know? Yeah. I mean, he, he was putting with a real putter and shot that. So, right. <laughs> but I think somewhere along the way, maybe there's a few things we could do. Like we could make the driver head a little smaller. So guys couldn't hit it all over the club face and hit it in the middle of the fairway 290. That would be kind of cool. I don't know if we need to roll back the ball. <clears throat> that might seem like an impossibility, but have a tour ball so that every tournament plays with a tour ball. And then, you know, we should probably have putters that aren't attached to our bodies. That might be a good thing. And then we, you know, that seems like a little more, like a little more like golf to me. I don't have a problem with a guy's going to train and put on 40 pounds and absolutely bust every norm by trying to be faster and hit it harder and working on it with technology and biomechanics experts. I think that's great. That's where innovation comes from. You know, but I think somewhere along the way we got to do something to protect some of these golf courses, or we're going to keep we're going to keep having to build. How did we get on that subject? I'm sorry, it was the long putter. I apologize. No, but no, there's nothing positive. Let's it's worthy of spending a minute or two. I know that that we I wasn't going to go down the equipment route, but and the distance route, but you know that's look if Bryson had done to Augusta what he did to Wingfoot. This would be the number one topic today. It certainly was the number one topic after he won at Wingfoot, um, and you know, it, it's it, I, I'm, I'm I you know my view on this is just we should just have a tour ball. I just think that's the easiest thing to do, and it is so interesting to me that the bifurcation, you know, having a tour ball, seems to ruffle so many feathers. I mean. No one ever would think of having an aluminum bat in the major leagues. You would kill someone. I mean, no one seems to have any problem. We all grow up with wooden bats. We all, you know, for playing in high school, uh, excuse me, with, with aluminum bats, you know, we play in high school, we play in college, we watch the college world series, you know, they're playing aluminum, bat, but not in the pros. Um, and, but I don't know why this seems to be such a hill that it's hard for people to climb. I just, I, just, I look at what, um, you know, he did to Wingfoot 
And again, you know, I, I'm with you. I, 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 it's all relative. I'm fine. He should be the longest driver. I mean, you know, to do what he does, and you and I have talked about his swing, the, the incredible change in cadence that he's achieved in that swing, you know, literally like twice as fast, you know, in the old, as you say, the old swing, he's at the top of his swing, the new swing he's done. Um, and, 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 and the weight and, you know, and, and I, and I know you, you know, good friends with Chris Como, who's, who's been a big part of that for him and helped him. I mean, kudos to him. He deserves to be the farthest drive, but it's, it's not the, the relativity should still be there. I think they would be with a tour ball, but it's just, it's obsoleting these courses and it's just, and, and, you know, the environmental stuff in terms of, you know, I had Todd Eckrode on, you know, the last time we were talking about this and. He has all the figures at his fingertips, but you know it's like for every you know extra ten yards of a hole, how much extra water you're doing and all the stuff. It, it's it's really eye opening, and so plus all these classic courses that are just you know becoming obsolete. I why do you think there is such resistance to a tour ball? Um, you know, there's a little thing called money involved, right? And all the club manufacturers and ball manufacturers have a vested interest in continuing to push the technology. I mean, TaylorMade for years would come out with what, two or three drivers a year. Right. The difference was the paint, you know, but it was the next greatest thing ever, you know, and some of those really sucked, you know, some of the slider, that thing was horrible, had no spin <laughs> whatsoever, you know, but it was the new. So they just pushing the drivers and selling the product. And, you know, they have a vested interest in driving, you know, technology further to make the ball go further. And I think for the average person, it's great. They have a lot more fun playing golf when they're, right. you know, when they're able to hit the ball further and it goes a little bit straighter. And that's terrific. But like you said, I mean, if they, if the, if the guys in Major League Baseball played with a, an aluminum bat, we'd still be at the bottom of the first inning. Nobody would get out. Well, we know? might have some fatalities too at third yeah. base. I mean, <laughs> it'd be like a slow pitch softball game, you know, <laughs> like you'd have to make a rule. You couldn't hit it over the fence, you know? So it's like, I, I just think like there, there should be some, somebody has got to step in. And unfortunately some of the sage old guys that have always been, you know, able to kind of lend their voice to some logic and rationality have maybe lost some of their credibility over the last couple of weeks without saying any names, but it could be that we don't have that voice now that needs to be speaking up and talking about it. And I've heard people talk about it for a long time and nothing's been done about it, but it, I guess we're just at the mercy of, and people love it, right? Apparently they love to see everybody hit it 20 miles. I don't know, somewhere along the way, they probably just don't realize what they're missing. Hitting, watching guys hit from the 13th hole, a hanging lie, ball yeah. above your feet and on a downslope. Like the hard, one of the hardest shots to hit in golf is the anti-sloper. So that is right. downslope, which is asking you to fade with the ball above your feet that's asking you to right. draw. Right. Over right. a hazard, over the, I'm sorry, a penalty area. Right. Very, very difficult shot to a green that's not receptive with the club right. that they used to hit in. Well, now they're hitting wedge. You know, it's not it's not that we don't value the fact that technology and human accomplishment has driven the ball further. But we're missing out on some of the cool things about golf that required skill to be just a little bit more involved. I mean, hitting 
uh, uh, remember uh, you remember when there was wood fairway woods it had like whipping on it and stuff and guys were hitting a lot of balls off side hill downhill lines over water unbelievable level of skill i promise you that guys today if faced with the same situation would not have a chance they would all learn how to do it right because that's what they do they they are working within the confines of what's given to them and they'd all be able to do it i have no question in my mind but the first few times they tried it it would not be successful well, there's no question about that. I mean, you know, I think it was, you know, a few years ago, I remember at um, one of the playoff tournaments uh, was at Cherry Hills. Um, and of course, you know, that first hole is so iconic when, uh, you know, Arnie drove the green after trying it every day and making bogey, double bogey, and he succeeds in the fourth round, shoots his 65, wins his one U.S. Open tournament over over a young Jack Nicholas and a, and a not so young Ben Hogan talk about a meeting of tri triumvirate, but um, they had a tournament there on the PGA tour. One of the, I think the, the BMW tournament and they had a lot um, ball and a um, uh, persimmon driver on the first tee. So that hole is obviously the altitude message. It's like 345 from the back, but you're at, you're at high altitude outside Denver. And Rory gets up there and takes his normal club and normal ball and hits a three wood, you know, over the green. And then he takes the Balada ball and the persimmon driver can't with the driver, persimmon driver can't get anywhere near the green. Um, so yeah, but, but they would, they, they, they would learn for sure. But um, yeah, you know, the only other thing I'll say about it, I, I thought Fred Ridley's comments, you know, the, you know, the current master's chairman, where it was interesting before the tournament started, he obviously had heard all the Bryson hype. And although, you know, he didn't mention him by name, he talked about maybe coming to a breaking point. And I actually wouldn't be surprised if we see a master's ball, because um, I actually think that would be a way to kind of you know, take the leap here is to have the masters kind of be a leader for that and actually do that. And, and, and I would, I'd love to see, it. I'd like to see that that's a great one, the 13th hole. And, you know, frankly, I mean, they're not going to end up on redoing the course, but I hate what they've done to a lot of the holes there, to be honest with you. I mean, I loved seven when it was that short tight, you know, par four going and now it's like, you know, it, it was, I think 360 back then. Now it's like four. 50. I mean, yeah. you know, it's just so I, I agree with you on that. One other thing before we get to we get to DJ just on the Masters, I, I got to ask you, I don't know if you were watching Sunday. Um, did you see uh, what happened to Mr. Tiger on 12? Yeah, I happened to see that. Um, and in class, were you watching Tiger, it live or were you, did you just see it at the end? Were you watching no, it live? I actually was watching it live because what I what I had on was amen corner at the same time as the ah, telecast okay. so i had two devices going so I, I i got to watch it as it was happening which was fascinating oh wow, wow. and what, what i loved about it it was my favorite thing to take away from this year's masters to be honest is what happened on yeah. that hole and what happened afterwards and what happened the next six holes correct so here's here's a couple great learning moments which i will share with my students forever we'll always be able to talk about this with juniors and how he birdied five on the next six holes after making a 10. That's, that's great. It's an amazing takeaway. But the other thing was the ego protection that I think Tiger has mastered and has 
uh, so many players, right? So when asked about it, yeah, he said, my favorite part was he said, well, I just had the wind completely wrong. You know, I thought it was off the right and, you know, it was actually into me from the left. And, and I, right. you know, I committed and he first said, I committed to that wind. And this is true. This is what he said. He goes, I committed to that wind. And, and I was clearly, I got ahead of it a little bit, teeny bit. And then the wind was going the other way. And that's why it knocked in the water. And then he said, I just couldn't commit to the wind. So whatever excuse he was making, he wasn't, he hadn't quite solidified which one it was at that point. But like I said, ego protection matters, right? Yeah. You know, how many times have you heard tiger mud, Stevie, you know? Right. 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 Mud, Stevie. Cause that's why I hit it offline. Couldn't have possibly been me, you know, Bryson complaining about the photographer with the shutter going and, you know, the, that the, a spike mark was in my way, you know, tiger of the same hole when Jack bogeyed in 86 on the final round, what did he do? Tap down the spike Hit mark. The spike mark. Another no, ego protection. He didn't, he didn't. And I remember he, he had that, you know, McGregor response putter that was the size of a small car. And he just right. like went whack. He just whacked the green with it where the spike mark was. 100%. Right. So we had two, the greatest two players who ever lived, both in full ego protection on this on on the final round 12th hole at augusta that's what that hole will do to you but i thought it was very educational for people to, to understand is that yes he he made a 10 but he also didn't really take responsibility for it he wasn't going to let that make him say i suck you know and from a junior golf development perspective it's a huge thing to say well it didn't go out the way that i wanted it to something must have happened couldn't have been me you know, and then be able to move on with your round and then go birdie the next five or six holes. The reason why that happened was he didn't throw a hissy fit. He wasn't, right. he wasn't demonstrably upset. You know, he didn't, he didn't go into his history on it. It wasn't a joke. Like he was, he just was like matter of fact about it and, you know, made his 10 classic line. How'd you make 10? Missed the putt for nine, you know, and then he blamed the wind and moved on and birdie five of the next six holes. That's what, that's exactly what you have to do as a, as, as a golfer. You've got to be able to do both those things and they're totally connected to each other. No yeah. ownership. I, and it was, it was really interesting watching that hole. It was. And, and, and yeah, and I, and those five birdies coming in, I mean, those shots on 16, 17, 18, I mean, they were like, those were kicking birdies almost. I mean, those were, and he lasered those irons. I mean, it was and thirteen too. He stuffed it on. Yeah. That was a perfect shot on thirteen. Total yeah. control. Yeah, yeah, just the twelfth hole at Augusta. So let me ask you this, Larry, because we're on this on the subject of twelve. If you had one hole to play at Augusta National, what would it be? Oh, it would definitely be that one. Oh, for really? Sure. It See, would. It would. It would be the. It would be that, be that or thirteen. It'd be twelve or thirteen. Maybe I. Maybe I'd twist your arm and do two. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe third, maybe 12 would be over too quickly and I'd have to, you know, I'd want a par five, but those are the two that, um, I just think are the most iconic holes. Um, and so and, let me um, add one more. We talked about it before. Okay. So to me, it'd be 13 because I want to, par I want as many shots as I can. Yeah, have many shots. Board. That's fair. That's fair. The one shot I want to hit is 12. That's right. the one shot. I, if I had one shot to hit it, I guess national would be the 12th hole, but it, if the 16th hole's hole location was on a Sunday pin, it'd be pretty fun to play that hole, right? That's because true it wouldn't be the shot that would stop it. It would be the shot that you'd have to hit, and then you'd get to maybe see the roll too. And that's why you know those three holes right. to me are that 
as much as we know everything about all the other holes. It, it's funny because anybody that that really knows Augusta National and watches this tournament, they all say 12 or 13, and they all stick with 13 because they didn't want to be over so quickly. Right. You know, but I think that's what's so fun about Augusta and why we like to see it in the in in the spring conditions every year. And we don't want to see guys hitting wedge to 13. No right. Way. And we want to see a, a Sunday hole location on 16 because we know how cool that is when when those things are in place. I want a little gusty win on 12. I want to look at the 11th green and see where the flag's pointing so that I know that's the wind I should be playing and not what I see right. on the 12th green. I, I that's what I would want to see. And so that's the one thing I would say about this year is that it just sort of missed that, you know, just sort of missed that on, on a lot of the things that we saw. So, and that's why I want the ball to go backwards a little bit too. Right. You right, know, I want right. the ball to go I, back I, so, totally with so we can, we can get some of those same, you know, shot qualities that we had in the past that were so fun to see. I totally think. So I kind of saved the best for last. I mean, yes. our champion, um, BJ, um, and um, he's been such an interesting character. And, and I think a lot of people were, really happy that, you know, he was able to, to, to win yesterday. It did look a little dicey there um, on the front nine. Uh, but, you know, that shot on six after he bogeyed four and five just was so key. Um, and, and once he knocked that in for that two, and um, I, I think he righted the ship and he was pretty smooth and, and really had, I guess, 68, I think, tied for the low round yesterday. I mean, it was just very, you know, from there on out, just a clinic. Um, a guy that's won, you know, I guess now 24 uh, PGA tournaments, that's an awful lot of tournaments. Um, and, you know, I say this only two majors. Um, and, uh, you know, before yesterday, only one. Um, and interestingly, and I don't know that I had realized this, at Oakmont, he wasn't in the lead going into the last day. So, you know, and remember Pebble Beach in 2010. I mean, he, four or five times he'd been in the lead, and and this is the first time he's got it done. You know, what are we sort of standing here now? What well, he's, you know, he's certainly got a lot of years left, but he's 36. And I, I, I tell you, I'll see another interesting stat I just saw today. So he's 36. He went all the way through college, so he's been on tour 13 years, um, and now you know, I guess with the, you know. It's interesting. I didn't even think about this with the wraparound season. I guess we have two masters in one year, but, but um, you know, he's won uh, at least one tournament in each of his first 13 years. The other people on that list would be Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholas, and Tiger Woods. Good company. So what do we sort of make of him as a whole? Well, I mean, uh, right now when he's playing well, he's going to win that's that's how good he really is at this point um he's he's he has very few weaknesses right i mean he has he drives the ball incredibly long when he's hitting the driver well he nobody hits the driver better than dj his irons are very solid his short irons are really good his distance control with his wedges i thought was immaculate i really thought he controlled the spin probably as good as anybody uh, which i was you needed to because they were soft he did a really good job with that. I mean, his putting while uh, uh, painfully slow on the greens is very good. You know, they, they he, he tends to make a lot of putts, which left to right sliders, I don't know how many he made. He made a bunch, you know, coming down the stretch there. So 
when he's playing well, he's the best player in the world. I think he has probably the gift of any kind of recollection of past problems during major championships, right? I mean, nobody's got less golf PTSD than DJ. And he rightfully should have some, you know, based on Pebble Beach. Yeah, he has plenty of, totally. Chambers Bay, and I mean, the list goes on and on of of places that he kind of gave it away. But he just tends to not have any, it doesn't have any damage. It's just like it doesn't even matter, you know? So I think he doesn't get enough credit for hitting, hitting intelligent shots into greens. He's not ultra aggressive. He plays onto the correct side of the flag a lot. Um, he's known for that in terms of, you know, fat siding makes golf easier. He's, he's, he knows how to play golf really well. I don't know what he knows about other things, but boy, he's really good at this game. And because he's in such good shape physically and because he's, he seems to, if you look at the top of his backswing, it's exactly the same as it was in college. Like exactly the same, like nothing's changed from this guy. So if he continues to just be DJ and play his game, he seems to only be getting better. I think we're going to see more golf tournaments that have his name on it, probably a lot more FedEx cup titles. And he could just rake in another, you know, double digit million dollars for his wins. And he's, uh, he's not going anywhere. He really isn't going anywhere. He's, he was unequivocally the best player in the world coming into this tournament and dominated. I mean, that was a dominant performance. Didn't you think like start to finish a hundred percent complete control. And like you said, six, six was the tournament, right? I mean, he, he comes off of two bogeys. He missed a couple, a short putt on, on five, which was a little bit unusual after a really good wedge. Um, Sung Jay gets up and down. You're like, wow, okay, maybe this kid's gonna fight him. Yeah, we, and that, that was an up and down, by the way. That was, that was just filthy, filthy up and down, right? And then six, like he just could not have a two shot swing there, you know. And then when the two yeah. shot swing hit, it was like, man, that's kind of it. And it really was. So I don't, I think DJ is here to stay. And I can't see a golf course that he doesn't have an advantage on. You know, obviously Rory playing at Rory's best is pretty darn good. Bryson clearly has some gears in him that are impressive. Um, Rom's a really good player, but he's a little too probably emotionally not quite there yet to win majors like DJ is. DJ didn't complain about anything. He just went out and took care of business and hats off, man. He, He deserved it. I thought the major champions this year that we had were all pretty good players. No doubt. And, and just one th- on the, on the no PTSD point, which is such a good way to say it. I mean, Rory, you know, talked about that. I think Rory talks about it more than DJ talks about it, which kind of tells you something, but you know, Rory is taken with that and, and he just, you know, God, I wish I could be more that way. He says, you know, and cause Rory is, you know, obviously Uber talking about two of the most talented guys, best golfers in the world, but you can see that Rory doesn't, I, I don't know that anyone has the, um, let's say, constructive forgetfulness um, that DJ has on, on the golf course, but Rory really um, notices that he doesn't have it and wishes he had more of that. Oh, well, it's Brad Pitt's line in that movie, and I forget what exactly what the name of the movie is, but he said, this isn't an American story, this is an Irish story, which means it's tragic, <laughs> right? And And Rory just it's an Irish story, right? Like it's not going to end well. 
uh, it's not an American story. And it, it just seems like until Rory just had, he's going to have to have a lot work for him to win that tournament. It's so in his head and really he so is. desperately wants to do it. And he knows exactly know. what it means. And you know, how many great players have fallen one short, you know, it's a no, very I, hard thing to do. It's It's a very elite, club i mean you oh. know if, if you if you make the list of everyone who's won three of the majors and four you pick up almost everyone you should you know if you were thinking who are the greatest golfers but when you start thinking about the list of people who didn't get the fourth i mean you know sam sneed or you know or you know whoever arnold watson you know whoever i mean it's a really elite club, right? It's, it's, you know, Hogan, Woods, Nicholas, Saracen. I mean, it's players in there. I mean, but it's, it's a very, very tight club. And, um, and Rory is so focused. I mean, when you see him, I was talking to Amanda Balionis after one of the rounds and, you know, he brought it up. He, you know, he, he he you know, I know what this means and it would put me in really elite company. And, you know, I just, I, I, I would love to see him get it, but I got to tell you, I don't, I, I just worry that's maybe in his head a little bit. And and well, I also don't think, yeah. I think the other thing I just throw out quickly, I don't want to hear you. You know, I just, look, anyone who's at that level, they do everything really well. But I just don't think his putting, you know, on that course, I think that he has to have everything really break right for him. And hopefully it will. Yeah. What do you think? He, put, he did putt well the last three days. Yeah. He even said he was hot. Yeah. So that was cool to see. Um, I mean, you saw what happened to Mickelson with this exact same scenario, right? Mr. Carefree, you know, hit my driver in every hole and go for everything. I'm eventually going to win it. And so what six times later as a runner up could get it done, you know, right. and I, I, I sincerely hope that Rory does get it done, but I wouldn't put his career right now into the same category as you would put the other five guys that are in that club. And, it, and it's sort of a thing like it takes a very unique player to be able to get that done. And it hasn't gotten done yet. And, and Brooks may be in that same boat. Right. And Ernie Els was in that boat of four. You know, the guys with four are pretty good players. You know, there's a lot of really good players with four. Majors. Oh, yeah, the, the, like I said, the, right. Totally. Totally. I mean, there's yeah. some, there's some talent there, you know, and, and I just don't know this, this may just be an Irish story with Rory. We'll have to see. That that's a wonderful way of saying it. I I I I love that. One final thing on the Masters. I, I'm curious. You mentioned him, and I, I I actually really curious what you think about. It. You and I have talked about speed and golf swings and cadences and stuff, and and obviously that's been a big thing with Bryson. Sun J M. Watching that takeaway. I mean, you know, but. My God, I mean, you know, he's getting it out there. I mean, he's not like a huge hitter, but he certainly doesn't seem like he's his short hitter. And and the whole game and, and those up and downs, I will tell you, the two that I will not forget anytime soon is the one on five we talked about. And how about that one on 15? I mean, no one. I mean, that is such a hard. So hard. I mean, if it takes one less bounce, right? it doesn't get onto the green. Right. Right. If, or, I'm sorry. If it takes one more bounce, it doesn't get on the green. If it takes one less bounce, it could theoretically go into the water. Right. Like the, the level of control that you have right. to have to hit that shot that way 
in that scenario, like if we were down there, you and I screwing around and we had a shag bag, we could do that. We could do that. But it would take us probably quite some time to do that. Yes. You know, we'd no, it wouldn't be the, one... it wouldn't be the first ball. It wouldn't no, be the first ball. No, it would be a while before we both kind of succeeded in that mission. The fact that he just strolled out there and did that was, and I think what you just said is important. The one on five was out of thick rough. It was sitting up a little bit, which was helpful. It wasn't sitting down in that soft stuff, but it was sitting up a hair. But it was a absolutely filthy flop shot that he had complete control over, and it landed com- like I mean, it was a beautiful shot. And then to do beautiful. the exact opposite and engage the leading edge and be right, able to right. to skip it—that was, I mean, it shows you the the kid's got chops. And in terms of tee to green, there's no better driver on earth right now than Sungjae. I mean, he hits a tight little fade off every single hole tight and i mean like a laser i mean really tight as good as dj hit it on sunday sungjae hit it better off the tee certainly yeah. in the beginning of the round you know his iron play wasn't as crisp as i as, as i think he wanted it to be maddie even said to me when she was watching she's like he's just missing too many greens and not getting it close enough so she was very critical of his, his ball strike at that point but you know i i thought it was really interesting he's he's a the kid's got big time chops and he's not short. He was only 10 or 15 behind DJ all day right. off the tee. And it's, it's why we love golf, right? Like he, you got Bryson's takeaway and his cadence and, and, and then you got Sung Jay and then you got Hideki at the top. Who's on a dead stop. You know, I, it's what makes the game so great. Like you've got to find out you and yes, there are ways to hit it further. Right. And, and, and you can explore those things, but everything you do may not be you. And you got to figure right. out what makes you the best player you can be. So I, I thought Sungjae was great. And, and it just as one last point on this is anybody who teaches everybody the exact same swing is a fool. They're a fool. I mean, look at what we're seeing out there between DJ yeah. and Rom and Rory and Sungjae. And I mean, Justin Thomas. And I mean, what an incredibly cool time to be a, yeah. a golf teacher right now. When you have such a such a vast spread of techniques and grips and top to back swings and cadences and it's really cool, man. And and it's it's fun. It's fun right now. It really is fun because we get to see all these different combinations and how they work. And like I said, if you're teaching everybody the same thing, man, you miss the boat. You're you're only going to help a certain percentage of people. And, and it's really, it's a fun time to watch golf on TV. I, I have to say from the, from the technical swing standpoint, it's a blast. It's really fun. No, I agree. So speaking of fun, let's, let's uh, sort of finish off with what is going to be a lot of fun, which oh. is what you're going to be doing now. Um, and uh, in part, I mean, you're going to be kind of shuttling back and forth, but um, uh Walleye, if I can pronounce it right, um, you know, is a place um, on the Big Island that I've had the good fortune to go only once. And as I've told you, I mean, it was to me my favorite resort I've ever been to. Um, and I just think it's just beyond gorgeous and just just wonderful in every way. So talk to me a little bit. So you're going to be director of golf there. And what's that going to involve? It sounds like you're going to have some of your buddies come out for some sessions and, and your, your teaching pro buddies and um, what's going to happen. It sounds like it should be blast. Yeah. So director of golf instruction. So Brendan Moynihan, director of golf uh, is, is working with me to, to make this thing go. Um, 
there's a, a incredible building on the back of the range called the golf Halle, which is like 3000 square feet. We have two hitting bays that have TrackMan and foresight and they have a gears machine there in between those two. There's this top golf suite. So you can play at Augusta or at St. Andrews or Pebble or wherever you want to play. <laughs> there's food and beverage there. We have a Sam putt lab. We've got essentially anything you could ever want to, want to mess around with technologically in terms of golf we have we have the ability to do that and we're at a pretty decent setting you know i mean the kona coast kind of doesn't suck you know it's the four seasons yeah. resort is an amazing place so it's not the four seasons landscaping resort it's actually the four seasons resort so <laughs> we want to make sure we, we we're clear there that's good um, good good that was well played a little political reference in there for but that's very good shockingly i did that so yeah it's going to be a lot of fun i think what one of the things we're trying to do is bring over guest teachers guest talent uh every month so you know whether that's bringing over mike adams or chris como or my really good buddy tony ruggiero or you know there's so many teachers that i want to have come over and work with resort guests and members uh rick sessinghouse is going to come over who's called more cows coach that's going to be fun Derek Ueda, who does a lot of putting, uh, Gabriel Hirschstedt, who you, I'm sure you know, won a couple times on tour. He's over there all the time helping. We're going to have uh, some fitness experts over there. It's just going to be, it's basically like the nerdiest golf experience you could possibly have, right? With all the technology you ever wanted and a bunch of guest stars every week coming in or every month. And you just awesome. happen to be, on the big island of Hawaii at a four seasons resort looking at the Pacific ocean. So it could be halfway decent. I'm kind of looking forward to it and I'm going to be going back of, and forth. Yeah, I mean, you have, who wouldn't be looking forward to it? So you're going to, you're going to go back and forth. So you'll keep your teaching here and stuff and you'll have this sounds like just phenomenal experience. I mean, it'll it will be, be awesome. It'll, it'll be fun. And I think one of the really neat things about it too, is that there's 36 holes there. You know, you have the private course that was designed by Weisskopf. Nicholas did the public course. They took all the grass off the course and, and redid it. They redid the mm. greens, so they're much slopier now. We have the Champions Tour event there in the second week of January every year, so that's going to be cool. But just, you know, when people come over there, we're going to be able to really take our time and really work on all parts of their game, go out on the golf course a lot, play a lot. It's, it's going to be a really fun place to come get better. And, you know, for me, you know, I probably won't be very stressed out um, hanging out in Hawaii all the time. So if you happen to see me with an umbrella in my drink, you know, on the next podcast, so be it. But it's going to be great. We're going to we're going to do one from Hawaii. I oh. promise you. I mean, I want to see the umbrella. After, I was just going to say that I want to see the umbrella in a drink that has a lot of colors to it. Indeed. And you'll see my slides, what we would call sandals here, but my slides will be out in front of me with my shoes off and uh, my incredible tan that I usually have going. I can't wait to see how that progresses. Um, it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be awesome. And I, I'm really, I'm just kind of, uh, I'm still trying to organize it in my mind, you know, like sure. how that's going to be. I was in, I was at Hanson today, of course, where I teach people that know me know that I'm teaching out in Pacoima, which is generally not thought of as a hotbed of golf instruction, but it's a place I love, you know, I love my, 
my autonomy there and the fact that you know I have my I have a very special place to teach there and this should be a lot of fun too. So it's gonna be cool. I'm gonna be putting out a lot of content too on online and on Instagram and whatnot from so, that yeah, so place. we should ask so so where's the best place for the con is instagram going to be your main feed or are you going to do twitter or what or all that stuff or where should we look it'll still be on instagram uh on my page i'll connect everything to that which is red goat but we're going to get an Insta- instagram page going for the hawalai golf Halle, which is golf house um we're going to do we're going to have a lot of content on that site as well so a lot of being on the golf course and hitting different shots on the course and all the technology that we have and all that stuff. It's going to be really fun. And, you know, it, I think we're, we're on the precipice of doing some really neat stuff in terms of player development, but also getting people over there to really just work on their game in, in a way that makes them score better because, you know, technology isn't the answer. It's part of what makes people get better, but get on the course, man. It still matters, Absolutely. you know, it still matters. You got to get on the course. You got to play. We got to see you screw up. I got to watch you choke. I got to try and make you choke, you know, and then we can really get, get you better. Well, as you know, that's a low bar for me since you've, you know, managed to do that without much trouble in the past. But um, hey, you're the one who said you didn't see anyone here that scares you. So I know I just didn't see you. You were behind me. I was talking about everyone else. That was. What about uh, my daughter but- now? Is she scaring you a little bit now? Um, she should, I mean, what is she a plus five? I mean, or yes. plus three or plus, four. I mean, whatever it's, yeah, that's, I'm just, I don't think I've ever gotten a dozen shots from anyone. I'm still looking forward to that happening. Um, but, so you're uh, going to fully utilize the handicap system. I understand a hundred percent. Hey, what's fair is fair. <laughs> I absolutely, are you kidding? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I'm looking forward. I'm, I, I'm very happy for you. I'm looking forward to, you know, seeing how this goes, hopefully getting over there at some point in the next you know, few months at some point, I would love to do that. But um, Brady, this has been great. Always good talking to you. And um, uh, I know you're heading over there shortly um, in another week within the week. So safe travels to you. And uh, I am sure we'll be talking. Indeed. I'll look forward to having uh, another episode with you when I get over there, for sure. Absolutely, and I'm going to turn it off. Thanks, Brady.